Thanks, brother. Just one second. I feel so tall today. <laughs> Let me tell you, though, when I got into Ecuador, I was like, everyone, I'm like, these are my people. These are my people. I fitted so good. And, yeah, yeah. Hola, uh, estando, hablando, oh, no, estaré hablando en español esta mañana. I'm just kidding. I'm, I, I'm not going to speak Spanish this morning. As you can tell, I couldn't even read that. Um, but I, I, me practicando mi español más, más. But uh, thank you guys so much, as Pastor Joe was saying, uh, for sending me out and allowing me to uh, just be able to go and serve the, the Ecuadorians and to be able to serve our Lord. This was just as much you guys as it was me. Um, and I pray that, that you guys have the opportunity to go to, with us to Ecuador or wherever it may be, wherever God may call you. Uh, but this has been such a privilege to be able to go and be a part of this ministry. And this was you guys. So thank you guys. Praise the Lord for you guys. You guys are such a blessing to me. And you guys are furthering the kingdom by sending people out. So God bless you guys. Uh, so as Pastor Joe was telling you, I will be sharing a little bit about what we were doing in Ecuador. I went with an organization called Reaching and Teaching. Uh, they're an organization that equips pastors to raise up elders to build healthy churches. There's an issue with sound uh, doctrine and theological doctrine there. And so a lot, of, a lot of churches are being raised up, and the pastors are just telling the churches what to do. And they just listen, and they go with the flow. A lot of, uh, a lot of other religions going on, but prosperity gospel is really big there. And so if you go to the next slide, please, uh, this kind of tells you a little bit about uh, reaching and teaching in their organization. It is to help build healthy churches. Uh, we, were, we went to a church called Iglesia Bautista Calvario. I might have gotten that all backwards, um, but it was a church right there in Guayaquil, Ecuador. It was a city of about three million people. The very, very low evangelical Christians. And so we went there just to encourage the church to teach uh, some sound doctrine. There's uh, nine modules within this course that we get to teach. This is our second time going, so we're on module two. And it was funny how the Lord worked, because we went the first time thinking we'd come back maybe the fourth module. Well, we got to do the second one as well. Poor guys, they got to listen to us twice. Didn't get to have anyone else teaching them. Um, but it was, it was awesome. We got to teach on the pastor's characteristics. Uh, that's what I ta taught on. We got to ta teach on the New Testament. Brandon got to teach on that. And Frankie and Jorio got to teach on prayer. And so what this does, this module, is raising up these elders in the church to go out, plant churches, and to spread the gospel to the people all around them. And for them to take it into their communities. It's a very impoverished location. A lot of poverty within Ecuador, uh, Guayaquil, I should say. Um, but it, it is very interesting. There's some like very impoverished locations, and then there's some very rural and very nice homes, like right next to each other. Uh, but just like anywhere, there is a need for the gospel. 
And, you know, God had really burdened my heart with whether you're in Ecuador, whether you're in Africa, whether you're in uh, Ukraine, in Iraq, there is a need for the gospel message. And whether you're here in Cedar City, there is a desperate, desperate need for this gospel message. And we have the opportunity just to do the same exact thing that is going on in Ecuador and Africa and in these different places of taking this gospel, giving hope of eternal life to the people around us, of telling them the good news about Jesus dying and rising again for our sins and paying our punishment. Now, I've got one minute to say the gospel because Dan was just testing us if we've got, you know, in Sunday school... No, I'm not going to say it in one minute. But if you look at the next slide, uh, this, was, this is just telling the approach, talking about the modules. That picture right there on the right, that was the first time that we went. We had uh, people about, we had about nine different churches, nine to 15 different churches, I'm not sure. But as you can tell, it was a packed house. Uh, that was the very first time that we went. If you go to the next one, I'm just going to briefly uh, run through what the trip was like, give you some pictures, and then I'll, I'll share with you guys what the Lord had laid on my heart and what I want to bring back to encourage you guys with. So we went to Guayaquil. We flew into Guayaquil. Uh, we were in Guayaquil for about nine days. As you can see, Iglesia Evan uh, Evangelica Bautista El Calvario. That's how you say it. That's the church's name. Right downtown in the city. Uh, like I said, these places are falling apart all around it. There was actually a brothel up the street. Um, yeah, it's very, very uh, different, you know. Uh, and so if you go to the next one, this is just like the welcoming. As soon as you get in, it says, welcome to Ecuador. This is a beautiful, they have these like crazy, crazy stuff. You know, they had an iguana like this. They had this, and it was really cool. But this was during the time... Uh, we were doing a, a transaction at midnight to get to Cuenca. And, you know, Guayaquil is kind of bad in its uprose. And, and uh, you know, you go onto their website, the embassy website, and it says, don't go to Ecuador or don't go to Guayaquil because there's a rise in crime rates. Well, we are doing like a $1,000 transaction to get this plan. God totally provided for it. Um, but, yeah, so go ahead. All right, so this is the team. The team is right there on the left. And uh, this is the first night that we were preaching uh, so I'll introduce everyone a little bit. Jorio, right here, um, the bigger guy, super awesome. He's from Brazil. Uh, he is partnered with Edgewood, uh, Kentucky, and um, he, is, he is awesome, man. It was such a blessing to be able to get to know Jorio and to build a relationship. God really worked amongst us as a team uh, to grow us together in connection and to actually just like, you know, to serve that purpose, to serve him. But it was such a blessing to serve alongside these people. He's a church planner. Um, he speaks Portuguese, but he was really good at, you know, understanding what was being said. Uh, so he was a help. This is William. William is actually with Calvario, and he is an elder in Calvario. He is going to seminary, but he is, he's the one that coordinates all of this, and he is such a blessing. So he got to hang out with us the whole week. Uh, then you got Brandon. Uh, most of you know Brandon. Brandon is the pastor in Edgewood in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Um, Frankie Dudes, he was he's part of Hopkinsville. Uh, he's part of Edgewood as well. He is the missions coordinator and an elder there. Uh, super awesome guy. He 
would take around these tracks, you know, and he didn't know a lick of Spanish, but he had these bracelets and these tracks, and he was going to every single person, has a heart for evangelism and to get the gospel shared. He would go to each person, and he, they wouldn't know what he was saying, but they were so excited about these bracelets, and they were in Spanish, these tracks, and they would put them on right away, and I thought it was awesome because, you know, if you kind of did that here, people would be like, what is this for, you know? But those people were super excited, put the bracelets on, thanked him, and you see him reading those tracks as they walked away, and it was so amazing to see his heart. He had his heart for evangelism. Um, Jimmy Winfrey, he's been here a couple times. He's with Reaching and Teaching. Uh, he is the one that kind of gets all of these organized these trips. Um, and then you have Ben and Connor. And Ben and Connor are seminary students at Bethlehem in Minneapolis. They have a heart uh, to go and preach the gospel. One of them, Connor, he had a heart to actually go uh, full-time missionary. And so this was kind of like a trial. This was to see where he may want to go to test the waters. Uh, ben is looking to be in the pastorate. But this is the third year at Bethlehem. And it was awesome just to be able to see their growth and to be able to grow with these guys. All right, this is just where we stayed at a brief time before we actually went and taught. Um, so this is, it's super funny. In Latin America, they gather together. You say the start time's at 6 o'clock. Well, guess what? This is at 6 o'clock and nobody's there. And it's not until 6.30, 7 o'clock that everyone arrives. And, and so this is kind of like the sparseness of it. We didn't have as much people as the first time. But we definitely had a lot of people there. And so go ahead. Um, this is a group, just some, some different sporadic uh, pictures of what was going on during that time, uh, during the teaching. But this is kind of when it's getting more full. You know, there was a real hunger and there was a real need. Uh, they had a hunger for the Word of God. And as you can see, like I was talking about raising up elders, and like Second Timothy talks, or First Timothy talks about that this elder it should be a man, but you have women, you have youth there who were hungry for the word of God. And you could tell that they were just, they were eager to have their, their questions answered, and they were studying the word of God. They were excited about what the word of God said, and it was just such a blessing to see to see these people so hungry, and they would come at 6 o'clock, and yeah, they might be late, but they're going to stay until midnight. So they are going to be there, and they're going to be asking questions, and they're going to want to stay there uh, forever. And they, they, they interact and fellowship with you, um, but it is such a blessing to see you know, how God was moving in each one of their lives because they were hungry. And, and uh, I'll show you some more pictures of the, of the youth and stuff. This is just some more uh, Timoteo right there in the hat. This is kind of a group picture. Go ahead. Yeah, this is a group picture uh, kind of of the last day. And once again, we didn't have as many people. Uh, but God was definitely working amongst these, these guys. And so go ahead. Okay, this right here on Tuesday... Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, we were able to be a part of a pastor's conference. I didn't get to teach this, but it was called The Pastor and His Family. I listened to the book on the way uh, to Ecuador on the plane, and man, oh man, let me, talk, let me tell you, it is very applicable to 
the men and the women here. It is not just for pastors. Well, it was. It was geared towards pastors. But the conviction that God brought on me of how the men are supposed to be responsible of shepherding their families and how to shepherd their children and pour out into their wives and the wives being submissive and being supportive of their husbands. But, oh, man, it was powerful. It was awesome to see these, these pastors. This was during the week we got to go to. This was a, a campus-planted church. And the, the campus that we're at, it was a technological campus, and the, we had this conference. It was an apologetics conference. We got to talk with some of the, the people. Most of those people that were there were single, uh, but they got saved going to this, this church. So there was probably 20 people. Go ahead. Um, right here is the group. There was a bunch of uh, these guys are anywhere between 18 and 30 years old. That's what they considered the youth, uh, the hovenists. Um, but they, once again, they were hungry. Uh, they, they had questions that you were like, these guys are stuttering, studying the word. These guys are, are wanting to know how to reach their family members and what to do to reach their family members and the lost people in their community, how to go out and evangelize to the youth. There's a lot of secularism uh, going on within Ecuador, just like here. Uh, their culture influence, where the, the culture was uh, starting to influence the church rather than the church influencing the culture. And we see that here in America, a lot of that happening. Um, you know, we are called to influence the culture around us. Uh, like Jesus says, the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. And so we are to go out and we are to make a difference within the world. And so these guys were on fire. Um, this right here, this made my heart so happy um, because I am a youth pastor here. And these guys, this is a Saturday conference and there's about 50 youth. And they, these are anywhere between 15 and 25 years old. And they were there for about four hours. And we could have, three, three, three to four hours, but they had questions. And we had to get to the airport to go to Cuenca. But they were like, no, don't leave, don't leave. We want to keep asking you stuff. Um, and they were finding us as we we're trying to make our way out the door. Like, hey, what do you think about this? Like, hey. And... Um, but it was awesome to see, and I, it brought, like, this passion, this desire, you know, to pour out into the youth that there is, you know, the Word of God never returns void. And when we preach the Word of God and we allow God to work, it, it, He makes us hungry for it. And um, these youth were very hungry. Uh, Cesar, and um, there's Brandon, and, oh, man, I can't remember. Ariana, I think her name was. Um, Frankie, that, the guy in the middle right here, uh, he was our translator. Super awesome guy. He could speak like four different languages, uh, which was just super impressive. A poor guy uh, was standing, having to go through like all of our, our slang and stuff, and he'd be like, dude, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Can you say something else? Uh, but it was, it was super cool. He was our translator last time. He's a missionary full-time, um, but he's looking to go to seminary. Go ahead. So we, we flew to Cuenca. Um, we were in Cuenca for two days, from Saturday to Monday. So this is the church that we were at in Cuenca. We were doing 
a conference on the nine marks of a healthy church. I like, once again, this is when it was supposed to be starting, and you've got very few people. But we had to start on time. That's the thing. Is like we had so much to go into it that we had to start on time, and then people start arriving, you know. But it was all, it was all good. Um, so in Cuenca, they're called... Uh, the four rivers, and I can't remember how to say it in Spanish, what their full name was, but this is one of the rivers. I went on a run one morning, and it was just beautiful, and it was super awesome. I was just praising God because I went on this run, and it's a high altitude, and so I'm like running, and next thing I know, there was a park with a gym. Like, it was like this. It was this park with all this workout stuff, and I'm like, Great are you, Lord. Like, it was so cool because I got to work out. Uh, No, but this was just a blessing to see the beauty in Cuenca. Cuenca, I'll tell you, was 50 times more beautiful than Guayaquil. And I would go to Cuenca before I would go live in Guayaquil. So go ahead. This is just kind of an overview. This is at the Incan Ruins um, on Monday when we're awaiting our COVID tests. Thank you all for praying for that, by the way, because I was starting to be worried. I was like thinking, you know, pray without ceasing. Don't let anxiousness come into you. And, and I was really becoming anxious and having to pray through some stuff because I was starting to get like this. I think it was an altitude headache, but this kind of constant dull headache. My th- it may have been me, but my throat started hurting, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go home, and, but Lord, whatever your will is. And that was hard to submit to that because I was missing my family, um, but it was super funny. I just got to tell this quick story real quick. Um, so with the COVID test, I, I got one here, and they only went up about like halfway in my nose and swabbed it, you know, nothing, no biggie. I went to Ecuador, and we were in Cuenca, okay, and... They have these toothpicks with these bristles on the end, not even a Q-tip. And what they would do is they would swab both sides of your mouth, tilt your head back, and swab and scratch your brain and it, on both nostrils. So we were waiting in line, and we would see one of our guys walk out, and his eyes were just watering. And so we were just terrified, you know, like we didn't know what to think. But, praise the Lord, we're all negativo. (laughs) Some more of the Inca ruins, but just a beautiful, beautiful location of, um, you know, in, in in Ecuador. It was absolutely gorgeous. Go ahead. Uh, Here's the team coming down from the Inca ruins. A lot, I learned a lot about, you know, the history of Ecuador. Kind of scary stuff I'll have to share with you guys later, but not during this time. So this is during the nine marks, um, it was during the conference, and this was a little bit more full. But both places, super healthy churches, uh, raising up elders. There's some issues, you know, going on, but God was working, and it was amazing to see, you know, everywhere God is working, and there are His people, and that's one, you know, every nation, every tongue, you know, what heaven's going to be like, and to see them worshiping and laying before the King. And just wanting to grow in his likeness and his image and grow in godliness. They would sit and be just hungry. And it was amazing. And it reminded me of you guys of, you know, we get to worship here in Cedar City. And we get to be a part of God's work here um, while they are a part of God's work there. Uh, It's just a blessing that we can be the hands and feet 
of our creator to spread his gospel to the people where he has us right here and right now. You know, go ahead. Um, talking about, you know, being here and now, there was a, a pastor, his name was Pastor Vincent, and he would listen to the way I laughed, and he's like, he's got Spanish in his blood. He's got it in his blood. And he's short, and he's like, he connected with the youth, and he said, you are supposed to be here. I said, no, no, I'm not. I'm not supposed to be here. But this was, um, this was just like a college ministry, a college group that we got to hang out with. A super, it was super fun being able to connect with them. This is a missionary team that is in Cuenca right now. This is the SEALs. They've been there for 13 years, I believe. Um, it's so funny. They've got redhead kids, and all, they tell this story that all the Ecuadorians like just go and touch their heads. <laughs> like They think they're just amazing. But super awesome family who love the Lord, who love the church there, who've been called there. Go ahead. I had to gross you out with this. I just couldn't resist. Can anyone guess what this is? Huh? Yeah. It's guinea pig. It's, they call it Kui in Quechua. Now, I got the short end of the stick, and I drew the head and that I had to try. But this stuff was, don't try Kui. It was... It was, it was all right. I actually, it wasn't too bad, but there was not a lot of meat to it. Um, looking at the eyes and it looking back at you, it's not, not for everyone. So, but it is a delicacy food, and it was okay. Like, it was better than I thought it was going to be. So. Okay, I had to throw this picture in there. Uh, this is one of the days we just went to a market there was this, my favorite food of the whole trip is called cazuela. It's the bowl, and it's plantains and peanut butter. They mash it up and throw some seafood in there. And it, I got the volcan, which is the volcano, because it was big. And it was amazing. And this is me waiting, not knowing that I would have my life changed forever by cazuela. <laughs> So one of the amazing things that God did while we were there, Jorio, the one on your guys' right, um, he, like I said, he's from Brazil, but he had just lost his brother. Uh, he had just lost him that week before we were supposed to go. And his brother's service was on the day he was supposed to fly out, so that Saturday. And his brother was really close. It was kind of like a dad to him who took care of him. And he ended up losing his brother was having a really hard time, um, was praying about whether he should go or not, and God led him to still go. And um, he was opening up to us, and he was saying how grateful he was that he came because he saw God's hand in it all and how God needed him there, and he needed to be there for his healing process. But God provided him with a twin, <laughs> I had a twin from a different mother, and we call them twins the whole time, but they connected this in this way. Um, this is Stalin Francisco. He's part of Calvario, and they were, they, I don't know. It was like kindred spirits that God had just planned beforehand, and they were able to connect in a way that was only God, and he provided that, that brotherhood for him, and it was amazing to see 
as Stalin or Francisco. Hilarious dude. Super funny dude. Um, go ahead. So, all right. That's some just brief pictures. If you want to see more and ask more, you can ask me later. Um, but I want to share what God really laid on my heart for the people here because seeing those churches there and their hunger for the word and their hunger to be in communication and communion with God was so encouraging. And it's hard to relate them and bring it back here, but I, I wanted to relate you guys and bring it back there. And so this is one thing that God really burned my heart for, and it's prayer. So we're going to just spend a little bit of time on, on prayer. Uh, so Matthew 6, looking at 9 and 10, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give this, uh, is it, that's all of it, that's all 10. All right, but God had really burdened me for this, you know, um, This is then how you should pray. These disciples, they saw the life of Jesus. And we can all grow in our prayer life. And we know that we can all grow in our prayer life. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you how you should pray or what you should do and give you applications of how to have a better prayer life. Um, This could take, I mean, a sermon on prayer can take You can have a whole series on prayer, and we could take months and months on prayer. But God had really burdened me because Jesus had this prayer life that his disciples were like, teach us how to pray. What are you doing that is making the power of God go through you? What are you doing that is casting out demons that are only coming out by prayer? What are you doing that is making you in, in line and in this communion with God? How do you have constant communication with him? What's happening in your life, Jesus? And they, as Luke tells us, they went and asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray. And I would have to ask, are we a people of prayer? And I know that we can grow and we can all do better. Okay. But our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. Let me make your name known. Let me make your name known among all the peoples that I come in contact with. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. You are great. Are we a people who want his kingdom to come? What does that mean? Are we eagerly awaiting our king to return and to to rule this earth and to reign with him? Are we calling on the king to make his kingdom here as it is in heaven? We see the things that are happening in our world today. We see what's happening in California with these abortion laws. We see what's happening in Ukraine and the wars that are going on and the rumors of wars. And we see the disasters that are going on. We see this movement of this expressive identity where people are saying, you do you and you make yourself happy. But are we pleading with God, make your holy name be known. Let you come, Lord. Put yourself, put yourself out into our culture. Change our world. 
Let your name be known amongst all of the United States, of all the world. You come and reign, Jesus. Now, we can say we might be doing that personally. And this is all about, this is all about God. And, and not until the latter part of, of the Lord's Prayer that we know so well do we get into meeting our own desires and our own needs. But this is just about the King. This is just about the Father. He says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are we seeking God's will is our heart when we come in prayer for God's will to happen in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. What is God's will? That his name would be magnified, that people would come to know him and repent of their sins and come into relationship with him. And that people's lives would be changed. Who thought it was awesome what was happening last Sunday with the baptisms? And the lives that were being transformed and that were being raised up to walk in the newness of Christ. That was amazing and praise God for that. But are we praying for that to happen and praying for that work to happen within our community? Are we praying for Jesus to come into our community and change our culture? To change the hearts of our senators? To change the hearts of the governors in California? Are we praying for Jesus to literally come and take precedent in all things? To transform this church and to transform this body and to see more people giving their souls to Jesus and being baptized and walking in the newness of life. Are we a church that prays for that together? That comes together? That comes, there's, there's opportunity. We meet once a month to pray with the, the, the brothers and sisters in our community. There's probably like six people who show up. But is our heart aligned with God's heart and desire? How many of you love Jesus? All of us, right? Yes. When we love Jesus, we love the things that he loves. And we love his will and his purpose And we pray for his will and his purpose and his kingdom to come. And so, do we have enough time in our lives to pray for those things together? Would you go ahead? The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. This whole chapter 8 talks about this prayer. But we have this opportunity. As we are adopted into the family of God to cry out, Daddy, please. Please save the souls of our community. Please bring more people here. Please change the lives of the people Save them from sin. Please unite us in one spirit. Go ahead, please. And truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. We hold true to this. 
We know that when we gather together, Jesus is in our midst. I'm not saying he's not there because the Bible talks about how he's interceding on your behalf when you are praying. And we can get into this whole deep theological thing. But there's something about gathering together to pray together as a church. There is power in praying with one another. Faith is encouraged. Faith, you grow and you mature in your faith. When you are praying with other people, you are encouraged by the people around you. You're prayed for. You are seeking the will of God and you're seeing God move and you're seeing the work that he is doing and you're giving adoration and thanks to him. And as you are doing that and you're seeing him move in the ways that you are asking and pleading for, then what happens? Your faith grows. And then you want to pray more, and you want to pray more. And then he answers. And sometimes it's not the way that we want to, but that's where your will be done. Acts 1.14, as we see in the early church, this is something that had happened you know, in the early church that was always going on. Uh, They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, with the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. This is when they were waiting for the Holy Spirit. But they gathered together to pray. Go ahead. And then Acts 2.14, they devoted themselves to, uh, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And then later in 46, it says that they did this every single day. How are we gathering together every single day and devoting ourselves to the teaching of God and praying for one another? It may be a miracle if we do it once a month. Go ahead. When this, day, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. I threw this in here. So this is where Peter was imprisoned. And the angel goes and pokes Peter and says, get up, when he's chained to the, when he's chained to the two guards. He says, get up. And Peter, you know, he's all delusional. And, and the angel brings him out. But these guys were praying for him. These guys were eagerly praying for Peter. They were praying for the church and the persecution that was going on. And they were expecting God to move. But were they? Because Peter ends up showing up. He's like, oh man, they're going to be after me here soon. And so he goes and he knocks on this door. And what happened, Rhoda, a servant girl, comes up to the door, and she hears that it's him, and she's so excited, she turns around, and she goes back, and she starts telling the people, Peter's here, Peter's here, as they are praying for him, and they're like, no, no, you're just, it's just maybe an angel that you just heard, or an angel you just saw, but are we a people who are expecting God to move, and expecting God to answer our prayers? Do we have the faith? That our God is bigger than anything in this world. And if we plead to him, that he will answer. Jesus talks about two times. There's two parables that he gives. He, in the first parable, after, right after when his disciples say, teach us how to pray, he also says, he gives the parable of um, the persistent neighbor. The one who is constantly going to his neighbor and, and saying, hey, I need some bread. Hey, I need some bread. No, leave me alone. I'm sleeping. My family's asleep. 
No, 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 no. You don't understand. I've got people here and I need bread. Come on, just leave me alone. No, 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 no. Please, please, please. I, I need some bread, really. Finally, the neighbor gets up and he answers the door and he gives him the bread. And he was persistent and he said, this is how you should pray. And then he tells another parable in Luke 18 where there is a widow. And she's persistent with the judge, the one who is ungodly, the judge who is ungodly. And she's persistent. And constantly going to this judge, hey, you need to make this right. Hey. And the judge, because of her persistence, gives her what she wants. Too often do we pray for things one time and then give up. Too often do we gather one time and we think that's enough. We start to fall into this legalism. We think, oh, if I just pray in the midst of everyone, my prayer would be, my prayer would be heard and then I could just go on and keep doing life. I don't need to go back and pray again. We need to understand that these prayers, in Revelation, it talks about these prayers are incense to God. They are pleasing to God. The prayers of the saints are pleasing to God, and they are a worship. When we gather together to pray, powerful things happen. We see a community changed. We see a people whose heart is aligned with the Father. We praise him. We give blessing to him. We give honor and glory to him. We confess. We see a healthy church that confesses with one another, that confesses sin. And we see, oh, I'm not the only one who does sin. We see a thankful heart in the church. And then we get to have supplication. We get to ask fervently about these things. But the thing that really led, for the, I think what, what led for the Lord to burden my heart with this prayer is Jorio. He was very passionate about the word. But he was teaching on prayer. And he gave an example of his church. And there in Brazil, you if you don't have a church building then people won't come to your church because uh, Catholicism Catholicism is really big there. And uh, so they've got really nice buildings. And if you don't have a nice building like a, a Catholic church, then you must be a nobody. You can't rent. Nobody will go. And so they gathered together, this small congregation, and they said, we need to get funds to build, to get our own land and to build. And they start going through the logistics of things, and they said, this it will take 15 years to do. There's no way, you know, maybe if we start now and we're persistent, then we could do this. And a lady stood up and she said, no, by the end of the year, God will have provided for this. And they started praying persistently. And they started praying together as a body. And next thing you know, God started providing. And God started working. God's always going to answer. And guess what? 
at the end of the year, they had the building. It was the Lord's will for them to have the building, for them to build, and they started building. And they raised all the funds. You know, when our heart is aligned with God's heart, and we want His will, and we're submissive to His will, it doesn't matter the outcome. If it's what we're asking for, if it's not what we're asking for, we're submissive and giving thanks because God is answering our prayers. And we are together. And we are praying. And we are seeing God move. When was the last time we seen God move in that way with the body of believers as we're lifting up our prayers and supplications and seeing God work? And then coming together and giving praise for the work that he's doing. We want to see our community change. We want to affect the culture. We want this, the Red Hills to go out to the community and be an example. We need to pray. The power of corporate prayer. Jesus' life led a life of prayer where he would go alone. He would wake up early in the morning or he would be out late at night and he would go alone and pray. It may say something about your prayer life, your personal prayer life, but I don't want to take away from what the Holy Spirit may do. And where your personal prayer life is, but we need to pray together. I would love to see us pray together. And this morning was awesome and I was praising God because we have the pastor's office filled with people this morning. And we were praying. And it was a blessing to see. It was full. We're going to have to move. We're going to have to go somewhere else. We meet at 9 o'clock every Sunday. Every Sunday morning to pray. The pastor's office was full this week. It was awesome. But let's be a church who prays, who gives it all to the Lord and submits to his will, calling for his kingdom to come and making his holy name known and crying out to him. Amen? Thank you guys for sending me out. Thank you guys uh, for praying for me while I was there. I know because if it wasn't for your guys' prayer, I probably would have had COVID and had to stay back there. So thank you. And God bless you guys. And I, I, I look forward to see, seeing God continue to work in us and through us. Um, but amen, amen. If you have any questions, if you want to know more about Ecuador and Cui, you know, that rodent, let me know. All right, let's pray. Father, I 